Well, the problem is those people aren't going to die. Right. Most of those people are going to live. But there's going to be somebody's grandma. She's going to die. And then there's going to be somebody named Bob Schneider. And he's going to die. And he ain't going to be happy about it at all. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. There was a moment there during the quarantine where I was like, oh, I can avoid it. We can all avoid getting it. Initially, I was like, well, I'm going to get it. Everybody's going to get it. It's like a shadow passing over the earth. It's it's going to reach everyone. And then I was like, no, we don't have to get it. And then as soon as they lifted the ban, I'm like, oh, now I'm back to, I guess I'm going to have to get it now. I was thinking of the, uh, was it in vogue? Never going to get it. I was thinking of you singing that song. <laughs> Dude, that's the way I was feeling for a while. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. I'll just stay home forever, ever, ever. And I'm fine with staying home forever, ever, ever. Right. With salt and pepper. Yeah. What do you think about Pink Floyd? We've never really talked about Pink Floyd. Now, I just listened to the whole Dark Side of the Moon on spotify and then i guess i put it i just put in dark side of the moon so it played dark side of the moon then it played like all these new versions of dark side of the moon the mono mix the alternate version the first recording of it so i listened to it for about three hours and it's great i love i love 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 pink pink floyd i feel like roger waters is he might be the greatest lyricist of all time. I mean, his lyrics are as good as anybody that's ever written lyrics. I, re- I He might be the number one for me. More than Tom Waits, more than Randy Newman, more than Paul Simon. Why do you... I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm, a, I'm also, like you, a huge, huge fan. They're definitely a top 10 band for me. As a guitar player, I'm more on the David Gilmore side of the equation, although... Their lyrics definitely got sh- real shitty after Roger quit quit writing them. But what is it about his lyrics that you like so much? Because they're pretty simple. They're pretty dark. It's some dark shit. I don't know, man. He just he's just writing about some real like real shit. And and he like he writes a lot about questioning your sanity and and alienation and drug use and just all the things that I was into when I was listening to. Do you know him. what there's a lot of that I really like in some parts of uh of the dark side of the moon, especially the last song, that eclipse song, is a lot of. It's one of my favorite things is maniacal laughter. A lot of. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, like just sounds that they recorded that they put in there. But the thing that I noticed about it right away when I started listening to it is the pace is so chill. Like mm-hmm. you just don't hear anything nowadays that had that has that. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but like it just builds for forever. Like some of those songs, there's like a two and a half minute like intro before anybody even starts singing. Oh yeah. It's amazing, dude. That Dark Side of the Moon, it's just an incredible record. And I didn't even listen to it when it came when it came out. I was like either too young or didn't know about it. Came out in 73. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) I was a little young then. But so the first one that I really listened to was The Wall. That's the one I listened to a lot because 
That probably came out in the early 80s. 70, so 79. Really? Yeah. So I would have been 14 when that came out. But I don't even think I started listening to it in earnest until about 15 or 16. I saw the film, and that's when I really got turned that was on like, to those guys. Yeah, that was early 80s, the film with Bob Geldof. Crazy movie. John Carpenter, right? No. Didn't he direct that? No. Some British guy did. Oh, I just thought he directed that. No. I'm looking it up now. Bobby doubts me. He doubted me. I don't doubt you. Two, but thing, I might, two things might well I just happen out. to know a lot about Pink Floyd and John Carpenter. Oh, Alan Parker directed it. Right. Okay. 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 How did they... Hey, right. It's an amazing album, too, because it's political on one hand, and it's, all, it's about all of this stuff with his dad, Roger Waters' dad. And then in the film, how did they land it on all that imagery with the hammers? It's really iconic imagery from that album. That's Gerald Scarf, I believe, is the artist that did all that. Man, really powerful shit. Like the airplanes and pushing the, the kids. The an- yeah, the Pushing animations. the kids into the meat grinder and stuff. That's interesting. I did not know you liked Pink Floyd so much. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely my... F- I like them more than I like the Rolling Stones. I do too, I, same. I can't say I like them more than the Beatles. No, no. But I can't think of a band I like more. They're, I guess they're probably my favorite band. Other than Pearl Jam, which I know is a band very dear to your heart. Dude, Pearl Jam. Let me see where it is on the list. Let me look. I've got the list. <laughs> you got the here. list so, over there? I've got it here somewhere. Let me right. see. Oh, here it is. It's the list of my thousand favorite bands. All thousand favorite bands. Let me see where Pearl Jam. Hold on. Just take a second. Hold on. Let me just look real quick. Nope, not on there. You check the whole list? All thousand. Okay. No, no, All right. No, no, no. I, I accept that. I accept that. I remember long, frustrating conversations with you on the tour bus, trying to trying to get you to like Pearl. Jam. Here's who's not the greatest lyricist of all time. The dude from Pearl. <laughs> you don't know. Here's his what name, he's huh? here. Here's what he's really good at doing: making a jungle gym out of almost anything. Oh, what do you got? Let's make it into a jungle gym. Okay, everybody. Let I almost died. Concert success. Pearl Jam. You mean, you mean how he would climb everything? Yeah. And I saw him live, dude. I saw him live in front of 50,000 people at Lollapalooza. And these people are going so crazy. And I was just sitting there going, what am I missing? What year would this have been? Uh, Not 2020. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> the 90s for sure. It would have been before 95, probably like 91, 92. Like they were huge. They were... They weren't the headliner. They it would have been like right when headliner they, was probably Soundgarden. Soundgarden played, and I love Soundgarden. They're so fucking great. I, I love them, and I remember them playing. And I had worked my way up to the front, which was crazy. There were so many people there, and as soon as they started playing, dude, people in the audience just started throwing anything they had at the band <laughs> but not because they didn't like the band they, they were just so it. into it yeah they just started throwing stuff and i threw what i threw my sunglasses gone <laughs> i th- i think i had a hat through that gone i think i had some socks on i took them off <laughs> threw them on threw them at him and he was dude chris cornell was upset 
Oh, really? He, was, he didn't. I mean, he was, but he just kept singing. He wasn't a pussy or anything. He just was like, what are you, you know, he, you could see he was kind of scared because there was just <laughs> thousands of objects being thrown onto the stage by these crazy people. And they were just bringing the fucking. Oh, dude. Like they were so good then. That early 90s Soundgarden is no fucking joke, dude. And, you know, to your Ugh. point, I mean, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan, but I definitely can parse out the difference between. I think Soundgarden sort of was unfairly put into those camps, even though I think they were outriding all those people. Soundgarden oh, songs sure. are really nuts. I mean, they're in strange time signatures, but they're not. You know, some people can write in strange times interest, but they just want to write in a way that shows it off. So it's, the songs sound weird, like dream, you know, proggy. They always had a great way. The police did this a lot too, where they would write a weird song where if you sat down to learn it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is in a crazy time signature and it drops beats, but they don't, you don't really know it. The songs are just so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't like anything that's too, too technical or you like Tool though. I like Tool, but. But Tool actually, the only thing that's super technical is the drums. They're actually kind of a meat and potatoes prog metal band and you identify with maynard's lyrics you like get into the maynard vibe too imagining i think his lyrics are great when i think of like prog or i think of like super um complicated stuff i always think of rush rush that's yeah. like my go-to mm-hmm. and i've never liked rush like to me it's like too much too much like i don't care about scales and arpeggios and all all that i hate dude i just watched that jaco pistorius uh documentary have you seen that the bass player for metallica is the dude who produced that yeah right right yeah and uh dude i was watching that i was going oh this is my new least favorite music <laughs> hold on i think pearl Jam, i think time. i think pearl jam oh, just made no thousandth on dude, the list <laughs> pearl jam here's what i know about pearl jam I'll always like them more than prog rock or prog ja- or jazz fusion jazz whatever that shit was weather report. Oh my god, dude! Right, that's the worst shit ever. I'll say this: I never really got into Rush either. Um, but have you seen that documentary yet about them? It's really yeah. great, dude. It's great. It's a great documentary. Well, it is weird. I have heard occasionally I'll hear a Rush song that comes out of left field, and I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, whoa, what the fuck is that? How can you hear that dude singing, though, and not know it's Rush? Well, that's what it is. It's not, it'll be like some instrumental thing, and you don't hear his voice right away. And then I'm like, god damn, this is fucking smoking. And then that voice, I'd see, that's the problem is I don't like that sort of high tenor voice yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I never like Journey. Anybody with a high tenor voice is, mm-mm. It's not my thing. I'm with you on that. I mean, I like Journey. But you like Journey? I like all their big-ass hits. Oof. I, I I don't know why I hate it so much. I guess it's that voice. There's something about that voice that just... And my sister was really into it. Like, my sister pounded that Journey, dude. She pounded it. All I'm listening to when she was listening to that Journey is Prince. So mm, the best. I'm listening to Prince. And Prince sings in a real high falsetto. He can get low, too, though. It, well... He's just not doing that tenor thing. It's more yeah. like he's either in his upper register. This is, I'm sure people are listening to this going, why haven't I listened to this podcast more? Because <laughs> these guys just talking about music. These guys get it. Is is the greatest thing. I, like hearing two guys talk about their opinions about music. Oh my God. How do I get more of that? 
I think people do find this interesting. I was going to ask you, I'm interested in this. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just hanging. I've been hanging around with my wife so much that I just think everything I say is uninteresting now. Yeah, well, that's her job. Her job is to make you feel horrible about yourself, and she's succeeded. But this yeah, is a good, is. but this is a different thing. Yeah, all right. Thousands okay. of people, thousands hey, right. of people a week listen to us talk about whatever the fuck. And they're interested in our opinions. I'm interested in this. And also part two of that is I don't really give a shit what they do or don't like. I can't I can't fathom what they all do and don't like about what our show. All we got to do is do our show. I am interested in this, though. You're right. Maynard Keenan is, made me think of this as like, who's a guy like that that you would want to have a coffee with? Like, that you would want to talk to artistically? Like, at one point, you wanted to get a hold of David Bazan. And I think I tried to get you hooked up with him. But... What was it about you wanting to talk to Dave Bazan? Like, who, you know what I mean? Who's who are these people that? Well, would, there's there's ahead. another there's another guy who probably I mean for sure is in the top ten. And when I say top ten, I'm talking everybody. Top ten lyricist of all time. Yeah, he's great. like he's up there with Paul Simon and the lyrics for uh, Pedro the Lion. Oh my God, dude. I know that's amazing. So good, just. A beautiful writer. He was the first guy I ever saw at a show do Q and A's. He would, yeah. He's, he's playing a club. Uh, it's actually one of the first dates I ever went on with my wife. Way before we got married, I actually married someone else after this, and then got divorced, and then married my wife. But we went to this a Pedro show together, and he would play like four songs, and then be like, "All right, well, any questions?" And the crowd just didn't even really know how to deal with that. We were in like a packed club, standing up, and we were just like. So someone, someone brave would like shoot out a weird question. He'd answer it. He'd answer maybe seven questions, play five more amazing, like Pedro the Lion, three-piece kind of punk rock, slow, sludgy, but with punk rock attitude and punk rock volume. All right, well, does anyone have any more questions? The whole night went like that. It was amazing. It was really kind of an intimate vibe. It was cool. Yeah, I saw him twice and both times. I was, the first time I saw him, I was stunned because I saw him, like at the time I was playing in Joe Rockhead, and that was sort of like a Chili Peppers band, kind of rap rock. And I'd be running around on stage, jumping in the audience, crowd surfing, screaming, rapping, craziness. So I went to go see him, and he comes on stage, gets on stage, and it, it was a small play. It was a small club, probably maybe three hundred people in there, but it was sold out, packed. And he gets on stage, puts his guitar on. And just stands there, doesn't say anything, in front of the mic, kind of with his eyes closed. And then starts singing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, it was like going to see a goddamn Buddhist monk. He fucking plays like four or five songs. Then, does anybody have any questions? If you do... Please raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah. I'm like, this ain't in the rock and roll handbook. <laughs> and sure enough, not me, because I'm not raising my hand. Right. I'm too shy. But some, you know, people start raising their hand. And he's like, okay, you. Then they ask their question. He answers it very succinctly and thoughtfully. And does like, yeah, does like four or five questions. And at the time, he had a lot of uh, Christian followers. Mm -hmm. So so I'd mm -hmm. say probably 75, 85% of the audience was all kind of Christian rock people. Mm -hmm. And one guy, I, I remember one guy raised his hand and he's like, 
whatever. And he's like, uh, like, do you believe in the Bible or something like that? Or some Christian question. And he goes, I love the Bible, but I don't, I think the people that, I think the religions that follow the Bible, I, I don't, I think they've, fucked up or something like whatever it was it was not what this guy wanted to hear the guy that asked the question was like that was not the answer he wanted so i think i don't know anything about that guy but i think i imagine he got sober or something yeah and and so i think when he got sober he got pretty religious and then i think since then he's kind of cooled it a little bit with the religion yeah i think he 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 made a record called curse your branches that he calls a breakup it's his breakup record with god that's very scathing brutal indictment of sort of contemporary religious culture right i think he probably considers himself a, similar to you maybe but a little more traditional but he's more of a mystic you know i think he still wants he has this idea of god that he feels connected to but he just feels like all the ways that human beings have codified it are full of shit so Right. You ought to check that record out, Curse Your Branches. Speaking of him coming on and, and just having that power, like strange power, we've talked about this before, but I always love hearing your story about when you saw um, Jane's Addiction and Perry Farrell coming out. Oh, right. And drinking like a whole, just gulping a whole bottle of wine before they hit the first note in some packed club in Austin or something. It wasn't a club. It was Palmer Auditorium. There was 5,000 people in there. I, I think it was the tour of their second record. So they had all the songs. They're, you know, the uh, all the hits. I mean, besides the Tom, I saw Tom Waits at the Paramount. Besides that show, that Jane's Addiction show was the best show I've ever seen. And they came out and you had Dave Navarro on one side and then the bass player on the other side. They were both shirtless. They both looked like action figures they were like cut (laughs) yeah like they look like mma fighters and then you had the crazy drummer in the background with all the hair and he was in the back and then perry farrell comes onto the stage and the stage is dark and there was just one light shining down onto the mic and he comes out and that's him when he had all the long Mm -hmm. dreads skinny was he also shirtless i i don't think so i think he was wearing like a weird tiny like t-shirt that was hanging off him but he was at the time it was at a time there was no social media there was no there was no pictures of these i mean there was like a picture here or there of these guys but there was a magazine maybe yeah or album sleeve but but they had this mystery kind of like tool yeah totally where you're like who are these people they just seem otherworldly and they seem dangerous and and druggy like you just in your mind, you just imagine that they're just like shooting up heroin and having orgies, and you don't know what's going on with these people. But he comes out, and he does the same thing where he just doesn't say anything to the crowd, and just has this bottle, and he just puts it up, and he just you can see it, like the like a water like a what are those water just fountain? What are the big water cooler things? Just like going. <laughs> and him just fucking and then coming down the mountain and dude it was like everybody was like this and then 5,000 people just going wow dude and I'm I don't when I watch a show I don't get into it at all right I'm the same so I'm just like this my eyes wide standing stock still dude that crowd the energy was so crazy 
And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? I'd never experienced it. And I'd, I'd spent years and years going to like punk shows and seeing seeing mosh pits and craziness. But this was some kind of next world energy that I'd never seen. And then I saw him a couple of years later at Lollapalooza. And it was good, but it, I don't know. There was something about that show that was real crazy. There's just some some of those bands are the front men, or maybe it's not even the band. It's just the the that happens to be that one night where there's a crazy power. I've seen that a few times uh, too. I've been sort of born witness to that and had a similar response to you. It's, it's just really shocking. And as a, I mean, a, I bet you Metallica brings that kind of energy. I imagine. Uh, well, I've told the story on the on the Metallica podcast, but so I saw them. In 2000, when I was 17, I haven't seen them since then until 2017. So it's been 17 years since I've seen them. A listener of the show, who's now a friend of mine, who's also a, a patron of I'm Okay, by the way, Brad Blazik, shout out to Brad Blazik. He, I didn't really know him then. He was just a listener of the podcast. And he hit me up and he said, hey, I have, I won. They have this thing called the Snake Pit, which is this little hundred people can get in right at the middle of the stage. You can't buy those tickets. You can only win them. And he won two of them. And he invited me or Ethan, whoever was available, to go if we could get to St. Louis, which is where the show was. I was on tour that weekend, and the bus coming home on Sunday, which is when the show was, happened to be going through St. Louis. So the bus drops me off in St. Louis, and we go into the snake pit, and I'm front row at Butch Stadium, 50,000 people behind me. We sat through the openers. It wasn't my cup of tea. A band called Local H, and then a band called Volbeat. And we're front. I kind of like that local H actually. Yeah, yeah. They they were cool, dude. They were rad. They came yeah. out and it's just a drummer and a guitar player, but the guitar yeah, player yeah. plays through like a bass cabinet too. Yeah, yeah. And you know how it is when you're opening and you gotta like try to earn that shit. Those dudes were just fighting for it, man. And they're seasoned. They've been around for a minute. Right, right. So they weren't some green bullshit. I mean, they they had an attitude that I really liked. And I only knew that their one hit song, but it was cool because it was more hard rock than metal. Volbeat was more metal. Anyway, so finally, finally, I haven't seen Metallica in the, forever. And I'm doing this podcast. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm in a resurgence of my fandom. They come out, dude. For, so they had a big intro. These They had these big screens, very immersive. You're in you, the vibe. You're just catching the vibe, right? When they came out, James Hetfield walked right in front of me. I mean, I, I could almost reach out and touch his leg. And he started playing this, their opening song for that tour called Hardwired to Self-Destruct. And it's very fast. It's very intense. It's metal. It's Metallica. But dude, he had his eyes closed. And the fe- the feeling that emanated for him was he wasn't fucking around. Like, he meant it. And it, the power of that was like, after all these years, they've been big, famous rock stars forever. For him to come out and look so intense, like just ready to fucking rock. And he just had his eyes closed and he was singing that first verse. And I almost, I got like a big fucking lump in my throat and it passed. And then I was just having fun. But that was the last time I I, I did feel that like power, you know? And it, it's similar to your story about Dave Bazan having his eyes closed. I don't know why it's like someone just looking like, like they're saying a prayer or something in the middle of that shit that's about to go down, you know? It's powerful. Well, there's these magic moments that can happen when you're playing music. They've happened a few. I mean, I know that the five or six or seven times that they've happened, one of one of the times was that Jane's Addiction show. One of the times was Tom Waits, but it could happen. I was on tour with uh, Leftover Salmon, and we were with the Ugly Americans. We were on this tour for a couple months, and it was grueling and horrifying. Like I just couldn't figure out why these these people just hated us. I felt like uh, Bob Dylan when he was doing the uh, you know electric tour. Yeah, like these. Right. This, 
these hippies were just ruthlessly not liking what we were doing. But besides <laughs> that, we're we were in uh, Boone. I think it was Boone, Appalachian Mountains somewhere. I don't know wherever the fuck we were. We're in some back ass place on tour with these guys and staying at some hotel. And I was walking to my room and I heard this. <laughs> like some fucking bluegrass shit. And I figured, well, it's got to be the leftover salmon guys because they're probably staying at the same only hotel in this one back ass backwater town. So I go down there and I'm like, and those guys were really nice. I knock on the door and sure enough, it was the uh, mandolin player. I think he was dead now. I think that guy died. Um, he's like, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, I heard the bluegrass music. And he's like, come on in. We're having a little jam. So I go in there. And it's him, and it's these four dudes. I say dudes. One of them was a chick. Um, <laughs> and they look like they're out of a fucking sm- Snuffy Smith, Little Abner cartoon. Like, these were the most <laughs> ridiculously cliched country bumpkin bluegrass. Was one of them dudes. wearing overalls and nothing else? Straw hat. Yeah. yeah. yeah Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, one. they had a hound dog on a, <laughs> on a rope. I'm not joking, dude. They had a rope tied around a hound dog. The ch- the chick was playing. The chick was one of the guys had a straw hat. Have a washboard. No, so it was it was the mandolin guy from Leftover Sam. Then they had another one of the guys was playing mandolin. One of them was playing a four string guitar, which I didn't know what that was, but it turned out it was a tenor guitar, tenor guitar four string. Yeah, a banjo player and a and a violin player, and they're like, "Come on in, sit down." So I sit down. And they're all sitting around, and I'm like, it was like straight out of delivery, straight yeah. out. So, so there was no, they weren't talking, they weren't doing anything, but they, they would, what they would do is they would go around. So one of the people there was like, Orange Blossom Special in D or whatever. They just say the name and then the key, and then all of a sudden, they would just start wailing. They would all take a solo and then the song would be done and then would go to the next person and then be like, old creaky chair. And then (laughs) (laughs) they just start doing it. There was no talking. Yeah. The electricity and the energy and the experience was so powerful. I was, it was as powerful as that Jane's Addiction show. What were you doing? Were you just sitting there listening? I was just sitting. I was just sitting there. I was sober. This was when I, you know, after I'd gotten. And I don't like bluegrass music, dude. It's not like I don't like it. I love it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Right, right, right. No, I just don't. I don't like it at all. I don't either. But dude, I was carried away and I was so, it was so beautiful. And then he was carried away. No, it was, there. it was true magic. It was real magic that was happening. And these guys were creating it from these inanimate objects in a way that was mesmerizing and wonderful and amazing. Well, there's something powerful too about them doing it privately almost like that. They're not even doing it in front of a crowd. Like they're just, no. It's like their pure love for it is adding to the power. The fact that you're witnessing something that feels like a gift and no one else yeah. can even see it, all of that oh, yeah. contributes to the power. They were doing it because they love it. Like right. these these dudes walked out of the fucking forest and came <laughs> t- 
to this hotel. And I guarantee you when they were done, them and their fucking hound dog walked back into the woods. <laughs> Where they live to this day. Dude, there's a fucking witch with a candy house out there. Where these motherfuckers live. They don't fuck around out there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, I was just like, and then I went the next day to see, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is going to turn it around for me. When I go see Leftover Sam, I'm going to appreciate it. And I went out there and I was like, oh, no, it's still horrible. Magic is gone. It's this tiny little window you slipped into, man. You got lucky. That's cool. It's really cool. Yeah, it was was crazy. Well, it it gave me this experience where I was like, oh, this is what blue, this is what bluegrass is. This is what people, this is what they enjoy. Yeah. You can't, it, you don't get it when you go on stage or see it on stage. Yeah. So, well, that's going to conclude episode 99. It was a very 99 episodes. That's crazy. Coming up on 100. Are we going to do anything special for our 100th episode? Do we know? Does anybody know? Yeah, we're going to do something super special. So stick around, but not here on the Instagram because we're done. We're going to say goodbye to Instagram. We're going to kick it to the secret weekly. Be sure and leave us a positive review on iTunes. It goes a long way. It means a lot to Bobby B. Schniz and I. If you like I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. It's the least you could do other than maybe telling your buddies about it. And Bob's other podcast is called The Song Club. It's wonderful. My other podcast is called Metal Up Your Podcast. And it also is wonderful. So those are the other places to find us. Come follow us on the socials. Get involved. Have a good time. Take care of yourselves. We're going to get the fuck out of here to The Secret Weekly and say peace. Peace. You know what time it is?